Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Hey, I am excited about this morning. I am excited um, to get to share with you uh, where God is leading us as a church family. And I'll go ahead and tell you today is gonna be an information overload. Today's gonna be a lot of stuff. And as we we share the three prongs of of, of our responsibility of the vision that God has given us, um, understand you may not see the big picture, the whole picture yet. We'll be sharing those details as they come along. Um, But today we're gonna kind of give you the 30,000 foot view of what God is leading us to do. But here's what I want to assure you this morning. That what we're gonna share with you is is not something that's been Googled. It's not something that's, that's trending in the church world. Um, Matter of fact, you're gonna hear some of this stuff and see that it's completely against what a lot of churches are doing. But here's the reality. Where we're gonna go as a church family is exactly where God is leading us to go. Understand that in, in the scripture, it says that if we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will direct our path. And we as a church family, what we have done, or as a church staff, as myself, we have spent time on our face seeking and acknowledging what God has for us. And we believe that God has spoken and directed. And so therefore we're gonna surrender to that and we're gonna follow that. And so we've acknowledged him and we believe that he has directed the direction that we're supposed to be moving forward. Um, So before we jump into kind of the vision itself, I I want us to look um, in the scripture this morning to help us paint this picture. I want you to go to Exodus chapter two. And you're thinking, man, you're gonna preach. I only came today because it was Vision Sunday. We was hoping you wasn't gonna preach. Well, it kind of sets the stage for where we're headed. So you'll understand exactly what we're doing in just a minute. But in Exodus chapter two, God kind of laid this passage on our heart this week as we begin to study and pray as to how we would present the direction we're headed. And when we landed on Exodus chapter two, I thought, God, that is a very strange passage on a Vision Sunday. But I think you'll see um, why when we unpack this. Exodus chapter two, and we're gonna read verses one and two to begin with, and then we're gonna go through verse 10, I believe, is where we're gonna land today. But in Exodus chapter two, verses one and two, it says, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. This is a story that we all grew up hearing about the story of Moses. And just to give you sort of the backstory of what's going on and and the context of this passage, we know that what is happening is the Israelites are growing in number, they're growing in power, and Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, became very threatened by that. And so he thought he had to take matters into his own hands and to, to try to suppress the work of God, to try to suppress the work of what God's people was doing. And so he put an ordinance in to where all of the Hebrew boys would be murdered. And they would murder them by throwing them in the Nile River because he thought if he could get these Israelites boys under control that it would stop the growth of God's people. 
And so that's exactly what Pharaoh put into place. And he wanted the women to throw their boys into the Nile River so that it would hinder the work of God. And so what I want you to first and foremost understand that what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to hijack exactly what God is trying to accomplish. And so on days like today, when we cast vision, when we share with you the direction that God is calling us, I wanna go ahead and tell you that when we speak vision, the enemy is not happy. The enemy is going to do everything he can to hinder the work of God. The enemy is gonna do everything he can to suppress what God is wanting to accomplish. And so that's where even today as a church family, we've gotta be disciplined and go ahead and recognize the enemy for who he is. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a distractor. And so as we cast the vision, go ahead and fasten your chin strap because the enemy's gonna turn it up a notch. The enemy's gonna come into your home. He's going to attack your family. He's gonna attack your children. He's gonna attack my home. He's gonna try to do everything he can to disrupt the work of God. And that's exactly what we're reading and that's exactly what we're seeing take place. So let's keep reading in verses three through 10. It says, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket and covered it with tar and pitch. And then she put the child into it and set him among the reeds by the bank of the Nile River. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Take note of verse four. That's something we're gonna come back to in just a little while. His sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Verse five, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the Nile and her maidens walking alongside the Nile and she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid and she brought it to her. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the boy was crying. She had pity. Some of your Bibles probably say compassion. She had pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Verse seven, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women and she may nurse this child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go ahead. So the girl went and called the child's mother and then the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. We'll stop right there. And I wanna take just a few minutes to look at what is going on in this poor little boy's mind and what's going on in this little poor little boy's world. Now you gotta keep in mind, this is Moses, a newborn baby. We didn't even have a name yet. That comes in verse 10. But knowing what we know, we know that God had big plans for Moses. We know that God had orchestrated a, 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 a mission for him to accomplish, a mission for him to fulfill. And that is the very reason the enemy was coming against him is because he was trying to hinder what Moses was gonna be able to do beginning even when he was a little child. And so now what's happened is mom and dad, they knew that God had a purpose for this little boy. So mom and dad decided to take things into their own hands. They're gonna put this little boy in a wicker basket, sit him on the side of the river, cover him up, protect him. But ultimately what this mom and dad were doing is they were surrendering their child to the Lord. And they were saying, God, he's yours. God, we are trusting you with Moses. And they placed him on the side of the Nile River. They placed him on the side of, of the of everything that could happen. Because you understand that when we step out in obedience, when we follow what God is instructing us to do, which is what this mother and father were doing, there's gonna be many, many times that God calls us into the unknown. And as they placed Moses on the side of the river, what they were doing is they were placing Moses into the unknown. 
They were placing him in to, to basically being at the mercy of the circumstances around him. Because at this point in the story, this whole thing could have gone any way it wanted to go. He's been placed on the side of the Nile River, left to himself, left by himself. So the scenario could have played in a lot of different ways than it did. The river could have risen and, and Moses could have actually drowned anyway. Or he could have gone unnoticed. He could have gone unrescued and died of starvation. Um, some scholars even say the worst case scenario was he would have gotten eaten by crocodiles. So he was handed over to the unknown. He was handed over to the worldly circumstances. But God. But God ended up doing what God does. God ended up providing. God ended up protecting. And what I want you to take note of is how God did that. Did you read who God sent to protect Moses, to provide for Moses and to eventually even adopt Moses into their family? He sent Pharaoh's daughter. The very one that had called for his death, God was going to use his daughter to rescue and to save ultimately the work of what God was doing. And so look, as we share vision today, as you begin to try to figure out what your role is in this whole big picture and what God is calling you to do, there's gonna be one that is speaking into one ear that is telling you that God can't use you. You're not capable, your past is a mess, your home is a mess, and there's no way God can use you. I believe that's the very reason that we need to pay attention to this, that God used Pharaoh's daughter, the enemy's daughter. And so if you're here this morning and you think God can't use you, can I tell you that's the very reason that he wants to? Because if we're here this morning and we can say, man, I'm ready to hear this vision. And you know what? I'm an asset to this team. God can accomplish his vision through me because man, I am talented and I've got this. Can I go ahead and tell you right now, there's no place for you. You say, well, that was awful blunt. Well, I didn't really mean to say it, but we said it anyway. What God wants us to do is he wants us to humble ourselves before the cross of Calvary and say, God, I am unworthy to be a part of your work. God, I am unworthy. God, I'm not equipped. I don't have the talents. I don't have the time. I don't have the treasure. Can I tell you, you're the very person that God wants to use. You're the very person that God wants to use. So if you're here this morning and you say, Brian, God can't use me. Can I tell you, that's the very reason he will. That's the very reason he will. He used Pharaoh's daughter to continue the work of God moving forward. But you see, here's what I want us to pay attention to. And here's gonna come the theme of the day, if you would. We look at Pharaoh's daughter and we look at the events that happened as she discovered Moses laying on the side of the riverbank. She heard his cry. She had compassion. And then she provided. She heard the cry of this child. She had compassion on this child. And then she provided for this child. Even to the point of adoption. Look at verse 10. It said, the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. 
You see, the definition of adoption is this. The act of entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. Let me read it one more time. Adoption is the act of entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. You see, that's exactly what Pharaoh's daughter did. She heard the cry, she had compassion, and she provided. She brought him in for him to have the benefit and for now for her to carry the responsibility of who this child was. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, nobody should better understand adoption than us as believers. Because when we surrendered our trust, when we surrendered our heart and our lives to the drawing of the Holy Spirit, and when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, in that moment, we entered into the benefit and the responsibility of another. You see, in that moment of surrender, when we asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of our life, when we called on him to save us, in that moment, we became God's responsibility. I don't know about you, but there is peace in that. There is excitement in that. There is boldness in that because then when I am God's responsibility, I can't mess it up. I can never fall out of grace. I can never fall out of forgiveness because I'm his responsibility. And man, there's hope in that. There's promise in that. So if you've entered into a relationship with the almighty God, you understand adoption. You understand what it means to be adopted. You've entered into the benefit and the responsibility of another. Now, I know you may be sitting there and saying, well, Brian, what in the world does adoption have to do with the vision of Chestnut Mountain Church and where we're headed? We're challenging every one of you to adopt five kids by this time next year. I've got five that are available. You ain't gotta fill out an application. No, I got four right now, one on the way, so I'm getting it all messed up. No application needed, no resume needed. They'll be at the door, bags packed. If you want them, they're yours, okay? But all joking aside, what God is calling us to do is, is to focus on this word, adoption. And you're gonna understand it and when we unpack it in just a moment, but going back to July, I was able to take some time back in July and get along with the Lord and pray for this day, to pray for, for vision, for direction. And church, I'll tell you how I know that God is in the middle of this. Because this past week I was working on it and it was late Thursday afternoon and I was in the office and I was trying to finalize everything to get ready to, to know what to present, to what to show you, to what to share with you. And and there was just all kind of distractions. If you know me, it doesn't take a whole lot to distract me. I was in my office and I said, I gotta get out of here. I knew nobody was at my house and so I took off to the house and I was in our kitchen at the kitchen table and I was continuing to type out what we were gonna be sharing. And church, when I got to the very end and I took the mouse and I was able to click save, can I tell you that the Holy Spirit of God came all over me in that moment? I was so overwhelmed with emotion because it was almost as if God said, here it is. This is what we've been molding and shaping for the last four years. 
And can I tell you, there was also so much freedom in that because God has laid on our hearts the purpose of this local body. And I am so excited to be a part of it. I'm so humbled to be a part of it. And yes, it's big. And yes, it's gonna stretch you. And yes, it's gonna make us all uncomfortable. But you know what? That's how I know God's right in the middle of it. God didn't call us to be comfortable. A rubber band only serves its purpose when it's stretched. And that's exactly where we're at this morning. But yeah, you know, the word that I came back with in July, I think I shared it with you. I was a little frustrated with God because I expected some big, great epiphany, some just big unveiling of this, you know, super spiritual topic. And I came back and the word was family. I was like, oh, God, I need more than that. God, family? That's all? But what I can say is over the last two months, God has made it very crystal clear what all was involved in that word family. And so yes, the first thing that we're really gonna focus on, it has nothing to do with really the big picture vision, but we are gonna focus on the discipleship of men and the discipleship of women. And the reason that we're gonna do that, because if men and women are being discipled, then the home's healthy. And when the family's healthy, the church is healthy. And when the church is healthy, the kingdom's healthy. And so yes, we're gonna focus on discipleship of men and women so that the family grows, so that the family is strengthened. So yes, that's, that's part of it. But the bigger picture vision is something that God has really revealed to me is what we're gonna be really doing is we're gonna be praying that the kingdom family continues to grow. Now, I know you're going, oh no, here comes that numbers game and he just wants to see Chestnut Mountain full of people. You see, here's the reality. That's not what we're praying about. We're praying the kingdom of God grows. Yes, I believe the growth of Chestnut Mountain is gonna be a byproduct of that. But the reality is, is what we wanna see is the family of God grow. The kingdom grow. Other churches grow. You say, wait a minute, you wanna see other churches grow? Absolutely, I wanna see other churches grow because when other churches grow, the kingdom's growing, the family's growing, our family's growing because you do understand it ain't just Chestnut Mountain people gonna be in heaven. Maybe that's the news. Some of you are going, oh, what? No, there's gonna be a whole lot of other people there and they ain't gonna ever heard of Chestnut Mountain Church. Believe me, I hear it all the time. Kingsland this past week. Where'd you say you're from? Chestnut Mountain Church in Flowery Branch, Georgia. My God, you got a sense of humor. So, but I, I, I corrected their grammar. Flowery Branch? I said, nope, it's Flowery. <laughs> Flowery Branch. I'm from Merville, and now I'm pastoring a church in Flowery Branch. You just gotta get all that, you know, fix all that. So we got all that fixed. But we wanna pray that God's kingdom grows. We wanna pray that the family of God continues to expand. But in order for that to happen, in order for us to see the kingdom family grow, what we are called by God to do, and this is gonna sound very awkward, we've gotta pray that we have a heart like Pharaoh's daughter. We've gotta have a heart like Pharaoh's daughter. And here's what I mean by that. If the three things we paid attention to with her is that she heard the cry, she had compassion, and she provided. 
She heard the cry, she had compassion, and then she provided. If we wanna see the family of God grow, that is the very heart that we as God's people must have. We must listen for the cry. When we hear the cry, we have compassion. And when we have compassion, then we do whatever we have to do to provide. We do whatever we have to do to provide. Now, as we're talking about the heart of Pharaoh's daughter, I do want you to understand that it's not just the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. Matthew chapter nine, verse 36. I want you to hear the heart of our savior. I want you to hear the heart of Jesus Christ, the one who laid his life down for you. Verse 36 in chapter nine, it says this, seeing the people, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Do you hear the heart of Jesus? Jesus heard their cry. Jesus had compassion and you know what he did? He provided a way and he was that way. When you were lost and separated from God, he heard your cry because he knew he didn't have it in you to satisfy the wrath of God. He knew you didn't, he didn't have it in you to live for God, to be received by God. So therefore he said, I hear their cry, they can't do it. I love them, so I'm gonna have compassion on them and I'm going to provide a way and I am the way. You see, so as we pray to have a heart like Pharaoh's daughter, we're also simply praying that we have the heart of Christ that we have the heart of Jesus, that we hear the cry, we have compassion, and we provide. And church, can I tell you right now, you don't have to look very far to see families. You don't have to look very far to see communities. And you don't have to look very far to see churches who are distressed and dispirited. You don't have to look very far to hear the cries. You don't have to look very far for hurting people. We can walk out the front doors of this church and point in any direction and probably throw a rock and hit a family, hit a community, or hit a church who is dispirited and distressed and may even feel like they're a sheep without a shepherd. And so churches, we pray that we have the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. As we pray that we have the heart of Jesus Christ, the eyes of Jesus Christ, that's what we're praying for is that God, you will reveal to us the ones who are hurting. You will reveal to us that therefore we can have compassion. And when we recognize this, God, give us the resources to provide. Give us the resources to do whatever we have to do so that your mission so that the vision of God continues moving forward because you realize that's what Pharaoh's daughter did. She heard the cry. She had compassion and provided. And because she did that, we all know what role Moses played. We know how God used Moses. But you know, when we think about these families, when we think about these communities, when we think about these churches that are distressed and, and dispirited, I wonder how many of them are like Moses' little sister. 
Because you remember in that verse, I think it was, I don't remember what verse it was, but I asked, I told you to pay attention to what his little sister was doing. She was standing on the riverbanks watching to see what was gonna happen. You see, ultimately what she was doing is she was standing on the riverbanks wondering, is God gonna show up? She was standing on the riverbank wondering, is God going to provide? Is God going to protect my little brother? How many families, how many communities, how many churches right now, this morning, right where we're at, they're praying and they're looking for God to provide. They're sitting there just waiting on God to do something. God, we feel like this is the end. We feel like giving up. And God, we're begging you to move. We're begging you to provide. So how many of Moses' little sisters are in our community that are just begging and pleading with God? God, do what only you can do. Save us, protect us, send what we need, not for selfish reasons, but so that your kingdom can keep growing. How many are right outside the doors of our church that are praying, that are awaiting God to move? that are awaiting God to do something. So, you know, when I came back in July, I remember the very first day I sat with, with Jared in my office and I was kind of throwing all this information up to him of, of man, I don't, I don't, this word family. And I said, but you know, I was talking about these hurting families, the hurting communities, hurting churches and I begin to ramble and I begin to think, throwing these, all these information out. And I was like, this can't be making any sense. And all of a sudden he starts laughing. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It sounds dumb. It's just, I'm not making any sense. And he said, no, I want to share with you the word that God's laid on my heart. And the beauty of this is I've heard it said so many times that when we're drinking from the same well, the water all tastes the same. Now keep in mind, I had not talked to Jared in a couple of weeks but both of us had talked to the Lord and God had begun to direct him, had been to directing me. And Jared said, I wanna share with you one word that God laid on my heart. Number one, I was like, God, why couldn't you just give me one word? And I said, what is it? And he said, it's the word adoption. It's the word adoption. He said, everything you have just talked about is the picture of adoption is the picture of adoption. Because remember the definition of adoption is to act of entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. And so church, what God is calling us to do and, and for the next season, I don't even wanna put a year on it. I don't even wanna put a time frame on it because I believe this is gonna begin to shape and mold the identity of who God has called us to be for a very long time. And so, what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna share in just a minute, I have one added bonus that I'm excited to share that really has nothing to do, but there's three responsibilities that God has given us. There's three responsibilities that God has placed on our hearts. And you say, well, Brian, responsibility is an awful strong word to use. Here's what I know. When God speaks and reveals and shows, it then becomes our responsibility to follow. You see, our, one of our values is surrendered obedience. And that's what that's all about. That's about God speaking and us now becoming responsible for what he has spoken. And so church, that's what we're gonna be sharing in just a minute is the three areas of responsibility. But first, 
I don't wanna throw this in there, kind of an added bonus. You ready for this? And this is a result of you being generous. Jared mentioned a moment ago, the annual report of, of, of giving and finances and we're getting ready to roll out um, the new budget for this upcoming year. You can grab those on the way out. They'll be out there for two weeks for you to look at those. But because of your generosity, because of you being open-handed with what God has given us and what God has given you, there's gonna be some pictures scrolling on the screen, some videos, and you're gonna think, well, I don't know these people. I wanna introduce to you the newest members of our family here at Chestnut Mountain Church. You say, well, what do you mean? If you remember back several months ago, we, we kind of laid a need out there that there were 40 COVID orphans, and that's literally the title that they've been giving in India, that they've lost their parents to either COVID or their parents are missing. Their parents are dead. And here there's 40 kids have been thrown into a vacant house with nothing. And so over the last couple of months, there's been several of those that have been adopted by some of you even in this church. But here's what I'm so excited to tell you. Because of your generosity, Chestnut Mountain Church has now adopted the remaining 24 orphans. This is now our family. These are now our children. Remember, they have now entered into the benefits and the responsibility of us. You say, well, what does that responsibility look like? We're supporting, we're providing. And look, right now we're handcuffed because of the whole COVID situation. We can't get on an airplane and go. And yes, that's heartbreaking. That, 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 that part of our ministry has stopped. But I am thankful that the ministry that was been begun over there is continuing on without us being there. But now what we can do is we can support financially. And when we have adopted these 24 orphans, what I want you to understand is we're providing a place for them to stay. We're providing a house mom. We're providing a cooked meal every day. And you think, well, man, that cooked meal, obviously. What you gotta understand, people, is to be in a third world country is not the United States of America. The number one goal for these Indian orphans, hear me, is to keep them alive. Our job our responsibility is to keep them alive long enough to hear the gospel. To keep them alive long enough to hear the gospel. And church, because of your generosity, we're getting to do that. They're getting their education. They're getting whatever med medication they need. But here's the beauty. They're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ every day. They are getting to hear the name of their savior every day. And that is because of your generosity and being open-handed with what God has given you. And so for that, I am so thankful that, yes, we've adopted them. Yes, they are now our responsibility. And so I am so excited. I'm so humbled that God has opened that door. But here's the reality. We heard the cry. We have compassion and we're doing whatever we can to provide. That is our role. That is our responsibility. And so now to, to shift gears back to what we are actively gonna be doing as a church family. As I said a moment ago, there's three areas of responsibility. There's three areas of, of our responsibility that we're gonna surrender to. Yes, it's gonna be tough. 
Yes, it's big. I'm about to throw a whole lot of information at you, but we'll break it down as time goes along. But what I wanna do is I wanna kind of start big picture. We're gonna kind of start as, as the church itself, as Chestnut Mountain Church. What is our role as a local body? And then by the time we end, we'll be focused on what your family is responsible for. You say, you tell me I'm responsible for something. If God's called you here, yep, you're responsible for it. You can get mad at him. He's called you here. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. So as we move forward in this upcoming year, the first responsibility that we have that God has called us to is that we're gonna be a church who adopts churches. We're gonna be a church who adopts churches. And you say, well, what in the world does adopting a church mean? We're gonna hear the cry. We're gonna have compassion and we're gonna provide whatever we have to provide until they're healthy again to do what God has birthed them to do. And that's so that the family and the kingdom continues to grow. Remember, for us to adopt a church it's the act of entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. I know you hear us talk a lot about City Church. You hear us talk a lot about what we've been doing at City Church. You see, adoption is what we've been doing for over a year now anyway. And we didn't even realize that's what we were doing until God made it very crystal clear in this word. But you see, what we've been doing at City Church is the very thing the very thing that God has called us to do. They were distressed, they were dispirited. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And about a year ago, they called us and said, can, can you help? Can you help? And I don't know if you remember, but some three years ago, we did a night we called Open Hands. And God, for some reason, three years ago, had placed City Church on our heart. And I didn't know why. The team didn't know why. But now you fast forward two years and we see exactly why. Because over the last year, we've been able to be open-handed with our staff. We've been able to be open-handed with our team because Jared has been spending a lot of time implementing leadership We've helped financially. He's provided stability. We've been able to provide structure. Even in the last couple of months, they now have three elders in leadership now. Since us coming alongside and adopting them, we have, or Jared, the City Church has hired an associate pastor who was a member here. We were open-handed with our people because here's what I want you to understand. Every person in this room you're the Lord's. You're not Chestnut Mountain churches. You're not city churches, but you're God's people. And wherever God sends you is where you better be obedient and go. Because I'd rather you have you somewhere else in obedience than being here in disobedience. And so we've got to be obedient. We've got to be surrendered to that. And so you think, well, Brian, what, what, what does that mean? What are, what are we going to be doing? Here's what I know God has placed on our hearts that by the end of 2022, we're going to adopt three churches. 
We're going to adopt three churches by the end of 2022. We've already adopted City Church. They're, they're part of the family. We are part of the family. We're in this thing together with one goal, and that is to see the kingdom grow. That is to see the family of God expand. We've already had another church contact us that they want us to come alongside and provide leadership. They want us to come alongside and provide encouragement. And what I believe with everything in me that in 2022, God's gonna send another. And so we're gonna be a church that adopts churches. And I know you may be sitting here, we're going, well, Brian, what, what does that really gotta do with me? I'm not on staff. I can't really provide leadership, so what do I do? And here, here's a stretch for me. Maybe God would have you and your family be a part of City Church and what he's doing. You say, wait a minute, you're the pastor here. You're not supposed to be inviting people to other churches. It's a kingdom thing. It's a kingdom thing. And so what I'm asking for you to do in surrendered obedience, you ask the Lord. And look, that's always gonna be my answer. If you ever come to me and say, Brian, what can I do? What can I serve? What can I give? I don't know. Ask the Lord. He will direct your path. Don't ask Brian. I don't have a clue. But I would ask that you even begin in this season praying, God, what is my role? What is my role? Is it to send my family to City Church to, to, to be a part of, of what God is doing there? So our first responsibility is that we're gonna be a church that adopts churches. The second responsibility, and here's where you're gonna see it start narrowing down. You're gonna start seeing it necking down to end up on your family, but the, the second responsibility that we have is we're gonna be a church that has small groups that are adopting communities. Our small groups are going to be adopting communities. And the goal that God has placed on our heart is we want 10 of our small groups to adopt 10 communities. And you say, well, Brian, what does it mean to ad adopt a community? It means the act of entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. All you gotta do is look outside churches. There's communities all around us that are crying that we need to have compassion for and we need to be doing everything we can to do to provide for them. And you say, well, what does that look like? I'm glad you asked because we leaked this to our small group leaders about four to five months ago. And what I'm excited to say is that there's already small groups doing this. We've got a small group that's not even here this morning. I've been getting pictures over there on my phone just a minute ago. They're in the neighborhood that they have adopted, giving out clothes, giving out food. Because you see, here's the, here's the announcement. You ready for this? This building isn't the church. This building is a building. Yes, we gather here to locally worship corporately and I love being here. There's no place I'd rather be. But right now there's a small group that is being the church in a neighborhood. They're being the hands and the feet of Jesus right now. As we're here in these air-conditioned seats worshiping, they're loving on people. And man, there's nothing that makes my heart happier because they have adopted that community. And what you may not know is the, the community they adopted, they did a VBS back in July. And as a result of that, we baptized two adults that they met in that community. You see? These are people that may never darken the doors of this building, but we were the church and went to them, which is exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what Christ did. 
Just this past week, another one of our adult small groups, they were at a, had a governmental housing project in Gainesville. They were at Melrose and what they were doing is they were sitting around tables with 17 children, just providing relationships, giving these kids attention that they may not have. And so for me to be sitting at home Monday night and get pictures that the church, we didn't meet here, but the church was out there. The church was loving and that small group had adopted that community. Got more pictures this week of another small group. They were making gift baskets and taking them to the hospital, the workers in in our medical field. Because you understand, when, when we talk about needs, it's not always financial. It's not always food. There's some that just need encouragement, that need to know that there's hope, that there's life. And we all know that with everything that's going on in our world, the medical field is one of those people They need to know their love that they're not forgotten about. And that small group had adopted that medical community to let them know they loved them, to let them know we appreciate what they're doing. And so let me tell you how much we believe in this. Well, you won't see it in the detail, but what we have done as as a team of elders and stewardship team and staff is we believe in this mission so much, this 10 small groups adopting 10 communities we're gonna fund the work that you're doing. We're gonna give each small group a budget that they can pour into these communities, that they can be open-handed with what you're giving here anyway so that we can love on these communities, so that we can provide food, so that we can provide clothes, whatever it is. But we're gonna get behind each one of of your small groups and we're making that investment. We're gonna be open-handed with what God has given us because we believe in you. We believe that God has called you to be a part of the ministry and the mission that he's doing. But the whole purpose is, is we're inviting these communities to be a part of the family, not necessarily the Chestnut Mountain Church family, but the kingdom family, the family of God. Is we wanna be in these communities building relationships so that ultimately we have the platform to share the gospel and to share Jesus Christ with a lost and a dying world. And so I know some of you are going, wait a minute, I can't really do anything in that one because I'm not in a small group. You see where we're going next, right? The whole month of October, you're gonna be so sick of hearing about small groups that you're gonna wish it was omitted from the English language because we want you in a small group. No, it's not so that we can boast about who's in small groups and who's not. But if you're in a small group, you get to be hands-on with the vision and mission that God has called us to here. There's gonna come a time in your life where you need those people around you. And what better place to grow with them than to serve with them? And so I begin to ask you to start praying. What does it look like for my family? What, What small group does my family need to be a part of? Yes, there's small group families here on campus that meet Sunday mornings, but there are also some off campus. I'm part of an off campus small group. We meet every other Sunday night and I can't wait. I'm looking around and seeing a lot of them in the room and I hope they already praying about what community we're gonna adopt. I think we've already got some, some dibs on some, but anyway. But I encourage you the whole month of October to be a part of a small group. Now, lastly, this kind of narrows it down. This is kind of the bottom of the funnel, if you would, because this is probably the most intimate one. 
This is probably the one that will stretch us the most. But something that God has placed on our hearts that by the end of this year, we want to see a hundred Chestnut Mountain Church families adopt a hundred families outside the walls of this church. We wanna see a hundred families adopt a hundred families that aren't a part of this local fellowship. What does it mean to adopt a family? It's the act of them entering into the benefit and the responsibility of another. You say, well, Brian, what does that look like? How, how do we find that out? I'm glad you asked because we're gonna be rolling out all those details. We're looking at kicking this thing off right around Thanksgiving. So hopefully one of the first things that we'll ask you to do, encourage you to do is once you, once you adopt a family, once you connect with a family, look, the common denominator that everybody can smile about is food, right? What's in November? Thanksgiving. Y'all do realize that there are families all around this community that never get a Thanksgiving dinner. But what does it look like if you adopt that family and you provide the resources for them to have a Thanksgiving dinner as a family? So then we go from that, we go to Christmas, but here's what I want you to understand and here's where we have to be careful. I don't want this 100 families adopting 100 families, the communities, or small groups adopting communities and churches adopting community, or churches for it to be a check it off the box, for it to be a one-time thing. This is a relational thing. So once Christmas is over, it doesn't mean it stops. It means that it's just begun. Because a lot of times if we're real honest, we all get kind of a giving heart around Christmas. We all get kind of a compassionate heart around Christmas because we look in our community and there's kids that don't have what our kids have. And so it's very easy to give. It's very easy to be open-handed. But what I want us to be careful of is that we don't just check a box and to give Christmas away truthfully just so we can feel better about ourselves. Because at the end of the day, a lot of times, I think that's the motivation in it. Is we can lay our head on our pillow at night and say, you know what, I did my good deed. But what does it look like if you establish a relationship with a family who is distressed and dispirited as a sheep without a shepherd? Where they know they've got somebody they can call. They know they've got somebody they can depend on. So our encouragement that what we wanna begin to ask you to do is number one is listen for the cry, have compassion when you hear it and provide for it when you see it. And look, there's gonna be a lot of ways and here's another thing why I'm pushing you back to small groups because there's no doubt in my mind when we go and adopt these communities, you're gonna be drawn to certain families that are in that community. You're gonna connect with certain families in that community. And what you're gonna be able to do is maybe that's the family that God has for you. Maybe that's the family that God has for you to take upon yourself, to be your responsibility. Now look, here's what I want you to hear. Because for us to take on the responsibility of someone else, if we're not careful, it sort of paints the picture that, that we've got all the answers, that we've got all this, that we've got all that. One thing that I want you to know, the only thing we have to offer them is Jesus. That is the number one resource that we're working towards to be able to share. 
So for us to say that we've got it all figured out, that's not the case. What we wanna have is a surrendered heart just to simply follow Christ in obedience. That's what we're doing. God's gonna orchestrate all the rest. God's gonna provide the families that need adopted. God is gonna provide the communities that need adopted. And God is gonna provide the churches that need adopted. And so you may wonder, well, where do we start? What's my family's role? What is my responsibility? And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, I don't know. I don't know, but I know who does. And I tell you, it was so humbling in the first service to see families in the altar. And you know what they were doing? Just acknowledging God. Say, God, here's my home. Here's my family. Use us. Use my family. Because this idea of adoption is for us to take on the responsibility of those who need it. And truthfully, I don't think we're ever more like the church. We're never more like Jesus than when we're living that out. Because remember, if you've been saved by the grace of God, if you're a born again believer, remember, you were once hopeless. You were once helpless. And a God who loves you, he heard your cry. And the God who loves you had compassion on you to the extent that he sent his own son to die for you. And he provided the very thing that you needed to have life and to have it everlasting. He heard your cry, he had compassion, and he provided what you needed for eternal life. So church, that's who we are called to be as the church, is to hear the cry, to have compassion and provide. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.